0: I never thought I'd make a video about Ticketmaster,
1: but here I am. Literally paid about $800 for two tickets for GA. Hi, I'm Rachel Hampton, and you're listening to Icymi. Why am I. In case you missed it, Slaves podcast about internet culture. And I hope y'all lovely listeners are doing if not great, at least uh, stable on this Wednesday. Stability is all we can ask for in these trying times. Spring has finally sprung here in New York, which means that even though my body is currently attempting to fight the air, my serotonin levels have stabilized. And that, again, all we can ask for. I'm really excited for today's episode, but before we get into that, I just wanted to give a few little housekeeping updates. We are so, 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 so close to making the hire for my co-host. You can tell by the amount of so's, like we are so close, which means a new ICY in my era soon approaches. That means some changes are coming. Other than y'all not having to listen to me ruminate on Tumblr all the time. I mean, it's still gonna happen to be clear, but not as frequently, or so you hope. One of those changes is the departure of our founding producer, Daniel Schrader. For those of you who have been with us since the beginning, you already know and love Daniel, despite his, quite frankly, superhuman ability to turn everything into a pun. He has kindly stayed with us through this transition period, which as I have said many times before, went on longer than any of us could have planned. But now that the search for our new co-host is almost over, he's ready to move on to a different pasture. Everyone, please wish him a fond farewell in your most pun-laden fashion. And thank you, Daniel, for everything you've done for the show. I was going to try to make a pun, but unfortunately, my brain does not work the same way that yours does. (laughs) That's enough sappy shit. On to today's episode. I don't know about y'all, but my TikTok and Twitter timelines have recently just been wall to wall footage of Taylor Swift's Eras Tour, which I don't know why. I mean, I know why, but also it just made me remember not only obviously our beloved Madison, but also the entire shit show around the Eras Tour ticket sales that happened back in November which then made me recall how much I spent on my ticket to the Beyonce Renaissance tour, which I've been trying to forget since I paid my credit card bill. With big name artists like Taylor Swift and Beyonce and Drake finally returning to touring for the first time since 2019, the website that controls 70% of the ticketing and live event market is probably the biggest name back on everyone's lips and their shit list. Yeah, today we're talking about Ticketmaster. Something that struck me as I was scrolling past all this Taylor content is I remember when Swiftgate was happening back in November. I had this thought that, you know, maybe through the power of Swifties, an untapped reservoir of power, maybe they will finally change things. And then by the time I bought my Beyonce tickets, that thought didn't even pass my mind. The only thought that did pass my mind was, my God, I can't believe I'm spending this much money. Despite that, it does feel like we're at an inflection point in regards to Ticketmaster. Maybe that's hopeful thinking. But to put it plainly, I feel like fans, me, you, everyone else are fed the fuck up and it seems like so are a lot of artists. Bands like The Cure and Rage Against the Machine recently made headlines for taking on Ticketmaster's fee and ticketing structure. So to help me make sense of it all and to explain how we got here, Justin Richmond has kindly agreed to join me later in the show. Justin co-hosts the music podcast Broken Record, which has featured guests from Usher to Maggie Rogers to Tom Jones. He also recently launched a new podcast called Started from the Bottom, which we'll hear a bit more about later. The conversation we had was a lot of fun, and I hope y'all enjoyed as much as I did. Just a little heads up, Justin had an unexpected guest make an appearance during the recording, so you might hear some child noise, which I Also hope you'll enjoy as much as I did. But that's enough of me or me by myself. After a short break, I'll be back with Justin Richmond.
0: Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7, U.S.-based, live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
1: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This
0: episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Ticketmaster's rollout of Taylor Swift eras tour tickets was a mess, or at least that's the general consensus. Fans lucky enough to receive pre-order status reported sitting
1: in a line of 2,000 plus people for hours
0: only to be repeatedly kicked out of line.
1: And I'm back with Justin over. Richmond, co-host of the music podcast Broken Record. Justin also just launched a new show called Starter From The Bottom, where he interviews successful people who didn't have access to the Old Boys Network about how they managed to beat the odds. Justin Thank you so much for joining me. How are you doing? Good,
2: good. Yeah, you know, centered around women, people of color. I feel like we don't, um, you know, we don't have enough of that in the podcast space, so wanting to uh, compile a, uh, a group of, you know, a group of really talented, incredible people and, and put the stories out there to inspire and and all that, you know? Just like how right here, we got a Zoom full of Black people doing a podcast. I was just gonna you know? say,
1: we, we have a Zoom full of Black people. We just mentioned this before the recording started, but both of my producers are Black women. You're Black, I'm Black, mm. which is, I'm sure, a surprise to my audience to find out that I'm Black after two years. After but all this time. This, after all this time. They're unsubscribing right now. <laughs> As we speak, they're like, man, I knew she was too woke.
2: <laughs> <laughs> something was off this whole time.
1: <laughs> so we're going to jump right into today's topic, which I'm really excited for, because it's something that it's one of those topics where I feel like you notice it, but you don't quite know what's going on. Um Usually I ask all my guests what their first internet memory is, but I thought I would tailor that question for today's show. So do you remember the first time you bought concert tickets online and who it was for?
2: Wow. Um, I don't because I'd already been to a handful of concerts by the time I feel like online ticketing. Maybe my family, we, we were late to the internet. (laughs) and the cable and Mm -hmm. everything else you know maybe online was already really happening online ticketing but I forgot if I had to think what I remember having to create a profile on like AXS which felt new around like 2006 2007 to get Mm -hmm. Prince tickets one time um, but I know I must have had a Ticketmaster profile before that. I remember making one to try to get tickets to Coachella in two thousand four, not being mm. able to afford it. Then my friend's dad just ripped off a secondhand reseller, um, so nice. that wasn't quite uh, an online purchase. But yeah, it's hard to say, man. But I remember, yeah, I more remember physically going to stand in line at like Tower Records mm. or yeah. at the venue. To like go get tickets and people would have like tents out because they had camped, you know? Like that's, yeah. I remember that vividly. That was always a cool thing growing up.
1: Yeah, I guess the inverse of my question is, do you remember the last time that you did that, that you stood in line for concert tickets?
2: You know what? I went, I went, I saw Bob Dylan a year ago here in Long Beach, at the Long Beach Performing Arts Center. And I, I, I drove down, I just drove downtown Long Beach and picked up the ticket. And sure wow. enough, it was like 80 flat. I didn't have to pay any fees, nothing. It was great. Oh my
1: God. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. That never happens uh, because of the thing we're here to talk about, which is the dictatorship of Ticketmaster. Um, But before we kind of get into what the current landscape looks like, I want to kind of go back and pinpoint the moment where it became inescapable. Because I feel like there are a few years, like maybe a decade that's kind of tapering out now where tickets were sold primarily online, but it wasn't the only option. And it's kind of a practice that's exclusively sequestered to music. Like in New York, you can go buy physical tickets on Broadway. Like you bought Bob Dylan tickets, because I'm assuming he was at a kind of performing arts theater venue. Yeah. So... Around when would you say buying concert tickets online became less of an option and more of a requirement?
2: I mean, it sort of just, like, it sort of has evolved just like banking in person has sort of become obsolete. Mm. Like, so it's kind of like been a slow progression, a slow death march. Um, Even though you can still do it, it's just like, is it is it really, does it fit into our modern lifestyle? And it really doesn't, you know I mean? Like, box office, most, bo- I mean, most box offices still do hold a, set, a certain amount of physical tickets there. So you could go get them. But again, it's just like, it doesn't really fit into the way we live our lives, you know, like, mm-hmm. so, um, but I would say it became really like kind of most prominent in the mid to late aughts, you know, 2006, seven, eight is when it became like, that's just how you do it, you know? And And, and then it became really like, Once you didn't have to print out the tickets, like you didn't have to have access to the printer too, or you didn't (laughs) have to stop by like Kinko's to like print it like before the show or whatnot, (laughs) like when you could just put it on your iPhone, like, I don't know, maybe again, I was a late adapter to the iPhone, but you know, like 2012, 13, you know, 14, when that just became like, okay, now you just got the digital ticket. And you can just yeah. make it. Could be real easy. Now you can you can go. You can make your Ticketmaster profile. You can spend all your money just a quick Apple Pay. You know what I mean? And have mm-hmm. your tickets right on your phone. And it's just like you could do it from the subway. You know? Yeah. It's easy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You talking about printing out tickets reminded me of when, <laughs> for some reason, when we used to print out MapQuest directions before yes. going on road trips. <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah, I remember the first time I ever did that. Wait. We were driving to the mountains. And my uncle was like into technology. So he was like, yo, I have mm-hmm. these new, we used to just, use, you know, we just used the Thomas guide if we needed to get somewhere. But he yeah. was like, yo, here's, uh, here's this thing called MapQuest. I, I mapped it and they use like satellites to like do your thing. And like, here's the GP. And I was like, you know, like 10 or something we ended up mm-hmm. we was trying to go to like 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 big bear or something we ended up in barstow so like halfway to vegas so <laughs> I'll, I'll never forget that <laughs> so
1: you know. it didn't even work
2: it didn't work it didn't work it didn't wow. work wow yeah. wow
1: my yeah. dad used to make me sit in the front seat and read the directions off to him which felt like a lot of pressure as a so two-year-old. much pressure so much pressure
2: you had to look in the index for thing and mm-hmm. then find the quadrant yep. and yep. it was yep yep
1: but it what was a, scary it was yeah. scary what a
2: skill to develop though <laughs>
1: Yes, it is. It is true. So, I mean, back to the actual topic at <laughs> hand, I could talk about map quests probably for a while. Yeah. Um, let's kind of get into the problems with online ticket sales, which have existed pretty much since the beginning, right? You've got scalpers, which have probably existed since like Shakespeare and the Globe. Scalpers Theater. go back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs>
2: yeah. I mean, many of the issues predate the internet, but the internet has just exacerbated all of the problems.
1: Yeah, because scalpers, it's now like this professionalized forum and platforms like StubHub, which is basically just for scalpers to resell tickets.
2: Right, or even like a StubHub, like even like just like the fact that you as not a scalper, right? I assume you're not a scalper. Mm-hmm. I I am certainly not. I am, no, I no, am I not. To, I don't
1: know if you want to make assumptions like that. I might but have a you, side hustle.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm not mad at the side hustle, you know, here and there, but I don't think you do professionally. But, you know, like, when you just trying to like, oh, I, I bought tickets to go to the show and I can't like, you know, I bought tickets for my fam, for me and my whole family to go see Stevie Wonder this last Christmas. Everyone got sick, so I ended up going solo and mm. I listed the tickets. Now like I could have been a jerk and like listed them for like you know, double the price, but I just listed them at like face value. But, you know, a lot of us will like list them like for higher, Like, so it doesn't even have to be like professional scalping situation. It's just like, you know, just even how easy it is now to like sell tickets for higher than retail price or higher, you know, higher than what you paid for them online. It's like, it's kind of crazy.
1: Yeah. The internet incentivizes it, in fact, because it's so easy. yeah. And that doesn't even get into the bots of it all, which also... Up prices. But mm. the recent kind of headline making problem, which is dynamic pricing, isn't necessarily a problem in that it's kind of working exactly the way it's intended. But before we kind of get into that, could you explain what dynamic pricing is and how it works specifically with Ticketmaster?
2: Yeah, well, dynamic pricing is essentially the idea that instead of having a set price, in other words, this section is worth. front row you know and this section is worth uh 150 and the section's worth 100 and the tickets go on sale and you know exactly what they're going to cost except for then you get the fees that's how it used to be so then we always used to be mad at fees because you knew what the ticket was going to cost but then you get the fees now if you notice when a concert's announced before they go on sale you can't find what the price is Mm -hmm. that's because the price is set by the live demand so when tickets go on sale there's a some of the level there's some coding that happens that dictate that determines how many people at that moment are trying to access tickets, and the price is driven by the demand, um, and so that means that you know especially like we were talking about with scalping, especially with this sort of standardized, professionalized scalping that utilizes bot accounts to get masses of tickets, like the demand is. Almost always, I think for anyone who's tried to get like Scissor tickets or Taylor Swift tickets oh, or Beyonce God. tickets or if you're like mm-hmm. me Willie Nelson tickets, and in the last year <laughs> Ooh, it's like it, it's impossible. It's impossible yeah. to get them, and if you can get them, it's going to cost you like six hundred dollars to go.
1: Hmm. Hmm. I mean, I just tried to get Hozier tickets, who I was I thought was kind of not indie, but I was like, he's not going to sell out in a week. Impossible. Simply impossible. You <laughs> mentioning how concert tickets used to know the price it really kind of sent me back in the same way that remembering that the little save file is actually a floppy disk because it, it feels <laughs> like you remember that it is a thing but it's yeah. been so far since mm-hmm. it's been relevant i can't remember the last time I just knew how much a concert ticket was going to cost yeah. when the tour was announced.
2: Yeah, it, they don't do it anymore. You know, you could budget before. You could be like, but mm-hmm. now I mean now like you think about it like it's like you can't really plan. And that's a, that's frustrating. And then once you get in, when you factor in the bots and these sorts of things driving demand, the the, the ticketing up, then you know, there's that. And then once you if you say you can buy those tickets, then there is the fee, which is the antiquated thing we used to be mad at, uh, you know, on top of that. So um, it's really crazy. Although Ticketmaster is trying to standardize this thing called all in. So it's like literally the price that you see when you go to buy a ticket is like, that's the price. It's that it the price. Yeah.
1: Wow. That'd Fees, be great. Fees, tax,
2: everything included.
1: <laughs> Who could imagine something as simple as that?
2: <laughs> seems, seems simple. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of people that aren't interested in doing it, you know?
1: Yeah. So dynamic pricing exists with other services. Like we're used to plane tickets to Italy costing more during the summer. Rideshare apps have surge pricing. But do you think there's something about Ticketmaster dynamic pricing that makes it different from those other um, services?
2: Yeah, it's very different. I mean, as a little example, I flew from New York to L.A. recently, landed checked the Uber pricing to get home and it was like $120 and I was like yo my home I literally like I'm not that far from here should not it doesn't you typically cost that much I checked yeah. then I checked Lyft Lyft was a little cheaper but still felt high so I said let me check what a yellow cab's going to cost me, and it cost me $30 so yeah when it comes to say like ride shares or getting a ride in general, like you have a lot of options. You can check Uber, you can check Lyft, you can check yellow cab, you can call a friend, you could walk like you have, like (laughs) it might not be really feasible to walk, but at least you have the option, right? When it comes to buying tickets, an artist contracts with a certain promoter to sell those tickets. And that is the only promoter and the only place where you are able to get authorized tickets. Therefore, you have no other options, right? It's them or a scalper. So your options become really limited, you know, whereas dynamic pricing in other areas, it can, demand can surge or wane. And I get why you would want to maybe increase the price of something based on that. At least as a consumer, you have other options in that scenario. In this instance, your only other option is really probably not to go. Go into debt
1: or don't go. Go into debt or don't go. The college story in America. (laughs) (laughs) A story that I unfortunately relate to. Am I ever paying back my student loans? Who knows? But what I do know is that it's time to take a short break, after which I will be back with Justin to talk about Beyonce and also Taylor Swift and also maybe Drake. Yeah, we're getting a lot of names in here. Hi, y'all. If you love our podcast, and I really, really hope you do, then please consider subscribing to Slate Plus. When you subscribe to Slate Plus, you get no ads on any Slate podcast, including this one. You'll also be supporting the show. ICYMI would not be possible without the support of Slate Plus subscribers. You'll also get bonus segments or episodes on shows like Slow Burn, which is launching this summer. Amicus, Mom and Dad are Fighting, and Dear Prudence. You'll also get unlimited reading on the Slate website, which means you get access to every single article and advice column on Slate without ever hitting the paywall. Just visit slate.com slash I-C-Y-M-I plus to sign up. That is slate.com slash I-C-Y-M-I plus. In 2007... Split Screen Kid Nation, a six-part podcast from CBC. Available now. Y'all was over here thinking that the biggest battle for the Renaissance tickets just going to be actually getting the ticket. No. <laughs> the biggest battle is the dynamic pricing. But you gotta get in there early enough to get that ticket for the lower or else you paying your mama rent and your rent combined. So Ticketmaster, I found out during research for this episode, introduced dynamic pricing back in 2011, which was a year after they merged with Live Nation and created Live Nation Entertainment, which is what the company is now called and which accounts for 70% of the ticketing and live event. Market. Mm-hmm. Alexandria Ocasio Cortez is called Live Nation Entertainment a monopoly. But what's interesting to me is that we've had this monopoly and this concept of dynamic pricing and ticketing with us for over a decade now. But it feels like something has really shifted in the past year or so. Like, I saw Beyoncé during her Miss Carter tour in 2014 as a broke college student, and I don't really remember breaking the bank for that ticket. I just paid, I'm going to disclose it, over $400 for Renaissance tickets in August, and I thought that was a great deal. And that's a long-winded way of asking, what do you think has happened in the past 10 years to cause this huge change in both the experience of buying tickets as a fan and the perception of that experience, which has become like really negative?
2: Well... I don't think we have to go back 10 years to do that. I think we ha- only have to look at like pre pandemic, post pandemic, pre 2020. Mm. And, you know, since the concert going experience has really come back after the pandemic, what exactly is causing the increase? I mean, there's certainly inflation, right? So, because there's inflation, um, just from the perspective of the artist putting on the concert, like production fees are going to go way up. Like, the, the amount it costs you to hire someone is going to cost more. The amount it costs for you to purchase the gas to transport the equipment to a given location is going to cost more. The amount it takes to get a plane airfare is going to cost more. Like Everything for the artist costs more. So that is going to get passed on to the consumer. The consumer is already feeling squeezed, by the way, from inflation, other areas of life, grocery store, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, clothing, (laughs) the price of (laughs) eggs, you know, the price (laughs) of milk. You know, plus you also factor in the fact that the touring industry was shut down for like a year and a half, pretty much, you know? So there's a bit of the industry itself trying to recoup money. There's a bit of things now put what it costs to produce a live performance, especially put on a live tour where you're going from city to city, that's going to cost more. And there's also the bit of the perception here, even though you can, really tickets have gone up, but there is a bit of perception here also from us as the concert goer, we feel starved for real human experience and going to see our artists. We want to go more than ever. Tickets cost more, but we're also being squeezed in every possible way that you can imagine. So it's kind of like this perfect storm for like discontent in terms of the fan artist relationship. And I would say in the past, it feels like the ire of the fan largely went towards the distributor or the, the concert promoter, the ticket masters, the AXS's, the, you know, which would be the AEG ticket and service. But um, now we're seeing like the fan sort of getting irritated with the artist. And yeah. I think that's starting to change the way that artists interact with these concert promoters.
1: Yeah. Why do you think the ire has started to shift towards artists?
2: uh i think because i mean my guess is that the experience of being a fan has changed so much now you know like mm. art, long gone is the idea that these artists are these like kind of like far away people like n- artists now more or less feel like you or me like you feel like you can reach them you know exactly what they're up to you know what they're wearing you know what they're at least you have the perception right you mm-hmm. feel like you can comment on their posts you can you have access to them you know And so like the experience of being a fan has really shifted to where it feels like a one-to-one relationship. Whereas before, if you were a fan of TLC in the nineties, it felt like a three to many relationship. Like you knew you were one in a sea of fans. Whereas now it feels like it's really personalized, you know? Um, And so I I think that contributes to some of it. I also think there's certain artists like the Taylor Swift's and the Beyonce's, um, even the Bruce Springsteen's, you know, who have a lot of power. Or they're perceived to have a lot of power, maybe more than they actually do, maybe not. So I think their fans feel like, well, hey, can't you do something about this? At this point, it's been how many years have been getting ripped off by Ticketmaster? I mean, Pearl Jam's been complaining about this stuff since like the 90s. So mm-hmm. they're going on 30 years. Like, at what point do you guys as the artists, what can you do to, to fix this? And if it's perceived that you're not fixing this and actually making it worse by... Going along with increased fees or increased concert tickets in general or, you know, going along with dynamic pricing, then you kind of view as like being almost it's like a betrayal, you know, to the fan base.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's really funny that you mentioned kind of the double edged sword of it feels like celebrities social media presence, which was kind of been beefed up in recent years. I feel like, largely to get away from the scrutiny of press, you no longer need to give an actual, real interview to a journalist. You can be interviewed by your friend, or you can post on Instagram and reach the same amount of people. Yeah. But what that means is that your fans feel like they have more access to you than ever, and also feel like you are beholden to them in a way that has never really existed in the world. I don't feel like any, I don't know, like Beatles fans felt like... <laughs> John Lennon needed to personally respond to them about ticket prices.
2: No, the only person who felt a real personal connection to John Lennon, unfortunately, is the man that killed him. Right? You had to be like a psych. You had to be psychotic yeah. to feel mm-hmm. that one to one. And we recognize that August our relationship isn't
1: real. Like that yeah. relationship he felt was not an was actual not real, real thing. Yeah. <laughs> but we
2: all walk around feeling maybe not to that degree.
1: <laughs> yeah. But we feel some level. <laughs> I, of... I don't know, man. <laughs> you haven't seen some fans online.
2: <laughs> I guess. Yeah. 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 Exactly. I guess. I don't know. What was that new Donald Glover show? I guess he. You know. He's oh
1: swarm. You know,
2: yeah. <laughs> maybe <laughs> happen, but. Yeah, man, you know, RIP Selena, there's another one, you know, it's like we used yeah. to know that these sorts of feelings we had were, that's a little misguided, you know? Yeah. Like again, in the yeah. 90s, as an Usher fan, you knew it was, one, <laughs> you were one of many. <laughs> like he yep. had no, he was not beholden to you in any way, and you felt okay with being a cog in the wheel. And you knew at some level, even though they were producing music you loved and it's an art to a degree, you also knew it was about commerce, <laughs> you know? Yeah. You accepted mm-hmm. that. And I think uh, that feeling, has gone away a lot, you know?
1: Yeah, definitely. That actually kind of segues perfectly into the question I had about how you feel about kind of artist responsibilities. Like we were talking about Taylor Swift, When those concert tickets were released, her fans immediately implored Taylor to step in, which I think makes sense given Taylor's history with Spotify. Um, Recently, The Cure made headlines because Robert Smith basically said the dynamic pricing was a greedy scam and they were intentionally pricing their tickets low. Rage Against the Machine had a similar thing where they only had 5 to 10% of their tickets for platinum and that money was then given to charity as a kind of Robin Hood thing to highlight how much of a scam that was. And when I hear this as a fan, as someone who spent over $400 on Beyoncé tickets, it makes me think that, was that not a choice that Beyoncé made to have me pay $400? But that's not exactly true, right? Or at least it's not the whole story.
2: Love and respect to Beyonce. If Robert Smith can fight Ticketmaster, so can she. Okay. If Robert okay, Smith and the Cure can fight Ticketmaster, so way. can she. Now, maybe she don't want to. That's fine. That's up to her. You know, like if she's comfortable, you know, charging her fans that amount. God bless her. You know. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. But. I think we'd be deluding ourselves to say that Beyonce, Taylor Swift, Bruce Springsteen, et cetera, doesn't have any leverage in terms of negotiating how these concert promoters price their tickets. They might not have all the control, but they certainly have some. I mean, and we're mm-hmm. seeing it. Look at the cure. Of Robert Smith, he's making Ticketmaster give 5 to $10 back to every yeah. ticket buyer. You know, this, this, is, this, man, this is a man that has not been... Relevant, and I love the Cure, but they ain't been relevant since (laughs) like early '90s. Is the last like record, you know? Right? So I'm like, yeah. You telling me Beyonce can't doesn't have any leverage with the Renaissance store, especially after that little Dubai concert? How much she make on that? I'm just saying, you know.
1: Listen, listen. I'm just saying. God
2: bless her though. You know, that's her. Yes, what she that's what she want to do. You know.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Half the reason I feel like we love Beyonce and Jay Z as a couple is the way in which they've really embraced like capitalism, you know, and and, mm-hmm. and and being rich and famous. Like, what's what we love about them? Like, they feel regal.
1: Yeah, they feel like royalty, Yeah, which means they get um, all of our tithing mm-hmm. from Ticketmaster, Word. which my next question is, how much do artists actually benefit from dynamic pricing? Because I think up until I saw what was happening with The Cure and Rage Against the Machine, my thought was this was mostly the fault of Ticketmaster and that they were the one who were absorbing all this extra money that they get rather than pricing it at one level, but...
2: Wrong. Wrong. Because Ticketmaster and the like make their money on the fees. Mm. So the base price of the ticket primarily goes to the artist or to the touring production, to the management team, to the company that's putting on the production, Right. So it does benefit the artist, you know, like a higher base level ticket price does benefit the artist. The reason we're seeing a Rage Against the Machine, a Robert Smith, et cetera, kind of tackle that issue is not because it doesn't, in a sense, benefit them, but I think it's because they come from a background of artistry that says that, you know, you're not supposed to take advantage of your fan base or whatever, like that's kind of like their whole thing, right, That's and that's why I think they're doing it. My guess is we'll start to see artists take more and more action like them because I think whereas... Yes, they benefit from the high the higher base price ticket cost. You know, it's sort of a risk reward thing. Like how much does that diminish your fan base or make fans less loyal to you? So it's like, I think as the ire turns from ticket promoters only and artists start sharing the blame in uh, in the whole thing, I think we'll start to see probably artists, I imagine, be more vocal about that process.
1: Do you think it's fair that blame is starting to shift more towards the artists? I guess in the long term of like, how do we fix this problem?
2: It's a bit of everything. I mean, there's a lot, there's enough blame to go around. I I think it probably starts with the concert promoters. But um, yeah, I think the artists have to take some level of accountability and and it also, you know, I really do.
1: You mentioned in an earlier conversation that you think that we should be taking notes from how the Swifties handled all of this. Could you say a bit about that well, i'm not a taylor swift fan, but i'm not yeah. you know Ooh. but they
2: are like they like taylor man they don't take no mess man they don't take no mess as soon as those tickets went on sale they started rioting it started being like <laughs> yo there was it was like black lives matter but with a bunch of white chicks it was crazy like it was breaking, they, yo it was breaking <laughs> windows burning shit down Um, And I ain't mad at them, you know, like they're like Taylor, like they've taken on her identity. And then I feel like when they see perceived injustice, like we're gonna, we we won't take it, damn it. And uh, I feel like, I mean, why shouldn't other artists fan base do that? You know, like if I'm a Bruce Springsteen fan, and here's a guy who's been sort of sold as the artist of The Working Man for 45, almost 50 years, why why shouldn't I be pissed that you're charging me $500 for a ticket, you know? Like that's, it's Mm -hmm. like, it's a bait and switch, man, you know? So I definitely think if we all could take a little hint from Taylor Swift or from her fans, you know, and like, you know, you gotta fight for, you gotta fight for what you think is right in this world.
1: That is true, but they did end up paying $15,000 for tickets. (laughs) Now I'm not
2: saying, look, man, (laughs) it's true. But, you know, at least they're doing something in addition to, like, it feels like they are trying to remedy the situation in some sort of way. And I I, I don't know how successful Mm -hmm. they'll be or not be, but it does feel like their sort of uh, rallying cry did kick off like a larger thing. Like, now we're seeing Congress getting involved and... Um, the FTC is looking at, you know, Live Nation, which owns Ticket Masters, possibly running a monopoly. And so, you know, yeah. Did they pay the money? They paid the money because they want to see the concert. They're Swifties. They love Taylor, but... I do really appreciate what they brought to the situation because we wouldn't be having this conversation right now if I don't think it was for uh, Taylor Swift fans banning together.
1: I do have to hand it to them. My former co-host Madison Malone Kircher was a huge Swifty, so somewhere in New York Times heaven, she's she's really feeling vindicated right now.
2: <laughs> God bless him. I, I don't I get them, but they're brilliant.
1: like some of her music, but we're not going to get into that. <laughs> So some of those things that the Swifties, you know, created was, yeah, the Senate Judiciary Committee scheduled a hearing in late January, mostly in reaction to Swiftgate. The Justice Department has opened an antitrust investigation. Ticketmaster was also hit with a class action lawsuit because of Drake ticket price gouging. All right,
2: The Drake and 21 yeah. tour. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It feels like we're at an inflection point. Do you feel do you feel any optimism i'm not holding no. my breath
2: been at an inflection point with it there's been many inflection points along mm. the way um i'm not holding my breath this seems promising to some degree uh but i i don't know i just don't see i i am not optimistic
1: mm. You know, yeah. I'm just not
2: optimistic about it.
1: Yeah. You said there have been many inflection points along the way. What were some of those other ones?
2: Well, you go back to the nineties and Pearl Jam kind of basically becoming their own concert promoters mm. for certain tours. Um, There was certain government interventions around fees in the early 2000s. And when Live Nation and Ticketmaster merged in 2011, there was a whole investigation into whether that would create a monopoly. Ultimately, you know, the government allowed it to go through under certain preconditions. They violated all those preconditions over the last 12 years and have been totally like, you know, not reprimanded in any way. Now we're seeing like, okay, they're being looked at again. What I do think is I do think Ticketmaster and Live Nation understand that um, they need to get out in front of this in some degree. And I do think they are trying to do that very smartly. They're trying to keep their image clean. And so we might see some changes in terms of like, I've heard talks about sort of like, again, the all in ticketing, sort of making sure when someone buys a ticket, they know exactly what that price is going to be as soon as they see the ticket price, right? Like, okay, if it's 500, it's 500. I'm not going to just charge, I'm not going to add 50 bucks to that once I add in my credit card info Um, Also, they've talked about certain caps. So, you know, like a maximum ticket price at certain price points. Um, So we might see some things like that. But overall, I I think this is a system that has seemingly been corrupt from the beginning. And I imagine it's going to sort of stay that way.
1: That's funny. Not like funny haha, but funny in that I feel like this could be the easiest slam dunk ever from a legislative perspective, it feels like something that no one would be upset about there being some kind of change. Like from an artist perspective, though, you know, they couldn't charge $15,000 for tickets anymore. They might be mad about that, but no one cares if Taylor Swift doesn't get to sell $15,000 tickets anymore. No one cares if Beyonce can't charge me $400 for tickets. It feels like the average person would be like, we're going back to a set price. Love it.
2: I agree. In an age where it seems like every issue uh, has yes, is so, common, so fraught and there's so much, it's like this does seem like one of the easiest ones to legislate and, you know, with, with, with issues getting more and more complex and harder to solve and harder to galvanize support around, like it seems like again whatever side of the aisle wanted to make a move on this it seems like that would probably be a pretty easy campaign sort of uh uh yeah. thing to try, try it out you know like oh we we made Ticketmaster. no exactly <laughs> you know, we made tickets more accessible to the masses you know it's like yeah who doesn't get that like you're a luke bryan fan and wherever exactly are yes. whatever a, you that know,
1: morgan wallace fan yeah you get that. <laughs> Like you could really have an across the aisle come together moment and it feels really dumb to not do that.
2: (laughs) I agree, I agree, but um, you know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, this does feel like an inflection point, like you say, but mm-hmm. there's been many in the past, and so maybe something happens, but again, I'm not I'm not going to hold my breath.
1: That's fair. That's fair. It is interesting to me that what might ultimately, hopefully, cause Ticketmaster's downfall is the very thing that allowed it to exist, which is the internet, in that it feels like these mobilization campaigns around tickets can only happen because of social media. The only reason, if you, you know about Taylor Swift's era's tour debacle is because it took over every single social media platform for a week straight if you're not a swifty before this i don't think i would have cared At, but as you noted they still paid so i you know uh,
2: will we ever reach a point where people in mass decide to say i am not gonna go see beyonce because of this
1: i clearly didn't make again that i'm not gonna hold my back
2: I think we're simple creatures, you know. I think we're pretty predictable. I think we'd rather see Beyonce and pay the four hundred dollars than miss out on principle. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I just I don't think we're that principle.
1: I mean, it does really feel like the only real tangible option here is boycotting Ticketmaster, which means boycotting your artist, which for small artists is terrible. Like they get most of their money from touring at this point. Beyonce is fine, but the real avenues of change here feel very fraught. I don't know if you agree with that
2: I do agree, I do agree. I think when we're threatened with a good time we're going <laughs> to take it. It would take a boycott beyond one fan base, beyond probably two or three fan bases, and I, you know <laughs> unless things with the economy get significantly worse, like it just seems like you know people will just keep paying the prices like that's that's sort of how I feel about it, you know yeah. um I think Probably coming out of this, I think we'll see some concessions from the ticketing industry. I think we'll see some change, whether it's all in, whether it's a cap on on fees or prices or or something like that. We'll see some concessions, but we won't see wholesale change. And I definitely don't think we'll see the demise of Ticketmaster or Live Nation. Like Those two entities are, are just too strong.
1: Yeah. So it sounds like you're saying we're going to get crumbs unless um, every single K-pop fandom Taylor Swift fans <laughs> and also the Beehive yeah. merged together and collectively decide yeah. to boycott their favorite artists.
2: One hundred and not go to the festival. Go- oh, way, too.
1: and Coachella yeah. festival yeah.
2: season canceled. Okay, <laughs> that's never gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, that's so what I'm trying to yeah, tell no. you. It's not gonna happen, and they know that too. They know that the demand is too strong. Mm. The demand is too strong. Yeah, in some ways, we're seeing like yes, okay, ticket prices are high, but and higher than they've ever been. But the demand is there. Yeah. People are paying it. So, you know.
1: Well, that's a very happy note to end on. <laughs> we're going to continue. Hey, you're going to see Beyonce. I, <laughs> <that's true. laughs> Everyone clap for me personally. Yeah. Fuck every, the, the, rest of, the rest of y'all. <laughs> Couldn't afford the ticket.
2: Can't buy groceries, probably. I mean, but, you, you know. know we're, or, uh, might not be at Whole Foods. Uh, maybe oh, yeah. We are
1: shopping at Whole Foods right now.
2: <laughs> oh damn oh,
1: listen oh we haven't God. been shopping at Whole Foods for a while <laughs> <laughs> all right that is the show we'll be back in your feed on Saturday so please subscribe it is the best way to never miss an episode to never miss a fond reminiscence of MapQuest directions printed out on actual physical paper Oh, man, I made myself feel old. Anyway, please leave a rating and review in Apple or Spotify and tell your friends about us. Tell your friends on the DOJ investigation and the Ticketmaster about us. You can follow us on Twitter at ICYMI underscore pod, which is also where you can DM us your questions like, why does buying concert tickets suck so hard? And you can also always drop us a note at ICYMIXplate.com. ICYMI is produced by Daniel Schrader, Sierra Spragley Ricks, and me, Rachel Hampton. Daisy Rosario is our senior supervising producer, and Alicia Montgomery is Slate's VP of Audio. See you online or at a verified fan pre-sale on Ticketmaster.